0: Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Niamh Solicitors, your complete legal solution.
1: I'm Kathy Weston and a very warm welcome to you this evening. We are talking about an incredibly difficult subject this evening. Uh, we've never been afraid to tackle them on the parent show and tonight's no exception we're going to be talking about self-harming in teenagers and we've got an absolutely fantastic resource in our guests tonight we're going to be speaking in a few seconds to dr anne stewart um, a psychiatrist at, at Oxford University who knows a great deal about self-harming in teens and uh, later in the show to Sally Graham, um, an educator from here in Hearts and Sonia Clark from Mind in Mid Hearts, a mental health charity here locally. So uh, basically we've decided to do the show around self-harming tonight because we understand that the prevalence of self-harm amongst our teenage community is actually rising and um, which mirrors a sort of a national pattern and it's um, I think it's believed that around 13% of young people may try to hurt themselves on purpose at some point between the ages of 11 and 16 and in 2014 indeed figures were published suggesting a 70% increase in 10 to 14 year olds attending A&E for self-harm related reasons um, over the last two years. So we've got the real experts on this evening and we're going to invite in now Anne Stewart who's on the line from Oxfordshire. Are you there, Anne? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you for joining us.
0: It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Now, Anne, is it you work at the Centre for Suicide Research at Oxford?
0: My my job um, covers various things. Yeah. I'm a, a, a clinical child and adolescent psychiatrist, so I work with young people who self-harm as well as a range of other disorders, mental health problems, Um, but I'm also linked to the um, Centre for Suicide Research with Professor Horton and others in the University of Oxford. So I'm involved in research but I also do um, clinical work as well.
1: Lovely, so uh, you're very well placed to help us this evening understand which for something for many parents is so alarming that they can't even imagine the children as young as 10 could participate in in harming themselves in this way so could we start with sort of definitions what do people mean by self harm
0: yes so basically self harm is defined as intentional self injury so regardless of the cause so a young person will actually choose to harm themselves, so it's intentional. But then there's a range of different types of self-harm behaviours. So they might cut themselves using various sharp implements or take overdoses. They may try to strangle themselves or burn themselves, perhaps using cigarettes or other, other um, objects. They may headbang, bruise themselves. Um, Or also, if they take too much or too little of prescribed medication, that can also be self-harm, for instance, in diabetes. Um, So there's really quite a range of different self-harm behaviours.
1: Now, you've mentioned there, perhaps, you know, withdrawing from a drug regime or not taking pills as they're meant to. That sounds sounds like control over as particular situation, and I think the sort of anecdotal evidence or anecdotal beliefs about self harm are that they're trying to sort of have control over something or, or, or draw attention to themselves. What are the actual causes of self harm? Why would children do that to themselves?
0: Okay, well there, there are a number of reasons why a young person self harm, um, and we also know that some people are more vulnerable than others. So perhaps if I look at some of the risk factors, the vulnerability factors first, and then think about actually why they, why they self-harm. But um, there are individual risk factors. So young people are at high risk if they have a mental health problem, for instance, depression. So if you're depressed, you, you are more likely to self-harm. or Also other psychiatric mental health problems um, or drug or alcohol abuse makes you at higher risk. Um, and young people who find it hard to solve their own social problems also are at high risk. Or if, if they have a tendency to be impulsive, they might use self-harm impulsively as a, as a way of managing problems. Um, also, young people that are bullied actually seem to be at high risk. So bullying is, you know, can be a key risk factor. Um, so then there are also um, family risk factors. So if there is a history of of suicide or self-harm in a family, um, then there is a higher risk that the young person will also engage in that sort of behaviour. Or if there are also serious difficulties in family relationships, um, sometimes that can lead young people to be distressed and and the risk of self-harm can be there. But then there's also um, social factors, so um, difficulties in peer relationships can make a person vulnerable. Um, and there's also evidence that if self-harm occurs in a well-known media figure or even a fictional character on the TV, that can put young people at risk. Um, and, of course, peers have a strong influence too. So if the peer group is self-harming, that can be a model for self-harm behavior that, that um, the young person may follow. So that there's, there's no one cause, but there's all those risk factors Um, but then the the question you asked is well why then does a young person self-harm and again there's a lot of sort of immediate reasons it might be because they're very distressed and they find that self-harm is a way of discharging tension or it might be to to just manage extreme emotional distress Um, or even just express emotions such as hurt or anger Um, some young people may self-harm because it helps them feel a bit calmer Um, and we we know that when people physically um, induce pain in themselves it can produce endorphins in the brain which can induce that feeling of calm or it can be as a way of escaping from a difficult situation Um, or as you you mentioned earlier actually gaining control because um, some young people feel really out of control with their feelings or their situation and self-harm they often describe it as the one thing that they can do themselves, and that gives them more of a feeling of control so um, the
1: obvious question is you know what could possibly be going on in a ten year old's mind um, to, yeah. to feel so out of control
0: yeah I mean actually it isn't it isn't so common in ten year olds but as you said earlier, it does occur in ten year olds right. It becomes commoner as the person goes through the, the teenage years, so at the age of sort of fifteen to sixteen um, um, a research study in this country showed that um, around about um, 7% of young people were reporting self-harm. Um, so, you know, that, that is quite high. And other studies have shown that, you know, as much as 10% or even the, the recent um, World Health Organization survey showed that even as much as 20% of, of young people in the teenage years were self-harming. So, so it depends on the study. But, but actually, it's not that uncommon. In, in young people um, but, but 10 year olds um, yes it, it isn't so common but does occur and even 10 year olds can feel really out of control or feel under extreme emotional distress and just not know how to manage that distress
2: Hello, um, and it's Sally Graham here. I'm also in the studio here with Kathy. Hello. Hello. And um, I was just wondering, um, I'm, I'm aware that apparently social media is beginning to have quite an influence on um, young people. Yeah. And I wondered if you thought that that might make this, you know, difference between 10-year-olds and you said uh, sort of 14, 15-year-olds, because 10-year-olds are less likely, aren't they, to be um, maybe using social media in the same way. What, what, how do you think that might...
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's true, but, but actually increasingly we are seeing younger children using social media too. Um, but actually thinking of, of social media and, and the internet in general, I, um, I think the research does show that it can have a strong influence on young people. Um, and, and actually I have been involved in a couple of research projects looking at self-harm and, and the internet. Um, and we've, we found that... Um, young people do use the internet in, in different ways. Um, some use it quite positively to get support from others or from from forums, from, from peers, um, and that can be really helpful and help them feel not quite as alone with their problems. Um, but other young people use it in a more negative way to connect up with other people who are self-harming, sometimes even to get ideas about how to self-harm. So, so the way in which the internet or, or social media are used um, is, you know, is is really crucial. Um, and I think as, as a parent, it's important to be aware just um, what your young person is accessing through the internet or, or how they're using social media, because it, it can be quite distressing. Um,
1: and Anne, in terms of the. Um family factors again back to that there's going to be parents listening tonight whose children are self-harming and are yes. going to be thinking oh my goodness is it my fault that my child feels completely out of control you know what would you say about family factors in a little bit more depth there yeah.
0: well it, what I would say that, that, it's, that it's important that families um, don't blame themselves in that way but, but actually see themselves as a resource to help the young person um, because what's really important is that the parents really reassure the young person that they love them they care for them and they're really going to help them through this um but um the i mean there there is some evidence as i said earlier that if if there is self-harm or suicide suicide in the family um that that does increase the risk so families just need to be aware of that um, and, um, and make sure they really are you know, reassuring and helping their, their young person manage their, their emotional difficulties. Um, but I, I do really see parents as the important resource to help young people. Um, but mm-hmm. um, parents will often feel quite a range of emotions themselves when they find that a young person is self-harming. It can be really difficult and distressing finding that out. Um, But they need to sort of hang on in there and and actually really um, try and help their their child um, sort of understand their emotions, but but actually be able to develop strategies for managing their emotions in, in more positive ways
2: yeah I mean I was interested Andy you said earlier it was it can be sometimes about young people expressing emotions that they might have Yes. and I wondered if that was maybe some way that families might be able to help in that um, finding ways to talk to children about whatever this sort of difficult thing that is actually causing them perhaps to self-harm yeah
0: no I think that's so important is is actually keeping the lines of communication open even if the, the child is really angry with with you as a parent but you know just keeping those those channels open and conveying to your child that you're not judging them because the young person may feel that parents are judging um and it's it's you know it's really important to show that you're not you're not angry with them um but actually to really just listen to the young person give them space um and reassure them that you're there for them and that you want to help um, but it, it, sometimes young people just find it really difficult to talk to parents um, but they, they might find other ways of communicating like texting we, we find sometimes children can text messages to their parents where, where mm. they can't actually openly um, talk about something so you know, just finding, finding some creative way of allowing you, your young person to, to talk about things can can be really helpful
1: and presumably um, they, when parents first come in to, to meet you or they're, they're so distressed to find out their child is self-harming, they, um, at one point they must have said to their child, why would you do such a thing, you know, and lost their back about it? Yeah. So how do you kind of help them to themselves if parents are listening and need a kind of inner resource? You know, yeah. how can they get well, their think, head around it? I mean,
0: one thing is that sometimes parents can feel very much on their own and isolated if they discover their child is is self uh, and may even feel quite embarrassed to talk to their friends or, or uh, you know, other other family members about it. But it but it is important to realise first of all that self harm is very common. As I said, you know, around sort of ten percent of, of young people you know ha- are reporting self harm. So so it's common. So there are uh, there are lots of other families out there who are experiencing um, similar problems. Um, and actually, one of one of the other. Research projects I've been involved in was actually talking to carers um, and um, getting a lot of information on on how carers feel and, and what they found has helped. And we've developed a website which any carer can just access, um, which sometimes parents feel like that's quite helpful knowing that there's other people out there who've also had similar experiences and, and just, you know, understanding what it's been like for them as well. So, so I'd recommend, you know, trying to, to find, um, you know, other parents who've have experienced the, the same thing so, so that you don't feel quite so alone.
1: And Anne, is that the... Which website is... Well, are the you...
0: website that, that we've developed is is linked to the, the health. Talk Online um, project, which actually um, has looked at all sorts of illnesses and other mental health problems, physical illnesses too. But the particular thing yeah. that we looked at in Health Talk Online was um, self harm and carers' um, experience or perception of it. So the actual website is um, health, healthtalkonline.org. Okay.
1: Um,
0: and and then you just follow the the links to. Um, you know, patient experiences and
1: then self-harm and carers. Lovely, well, we'll post that up on our Facebook tonight. I'm just going to turn to Sonia Clark who's in the studio with us who's actually works for Mind a mental okay. health charity locally in Hertfordshire Sonia, you've obviously worked with our local young people in Hertfordshire on this topic how would you sort of respond to what Anne has said so far? I, th-
3: I think um, what you were saying about parents feeling embarrassed and ashamed and having um, difficulty talking to their children is, is certainly a, a huge aspect and a lot of the work that we do at mind and Hearts is to to get it out there to try and talk about it to raise awareness yeah um, and, and I've done you know presentations to parents and teachers and governors to encourage um, knowledge and and just um, you know if, if people talk about it then it's less scary there's less stigma and and therefore it's it's not anything to be ashamed of it's something that is becoming more normal unfortunately amongst school age children and and i see it every day everybody that I've spoken to all the children that I've worked with, if they aren't self-harming themselves, they know somebody who is.
0: Yeah, well I think that's great that you're raising awareness, uh, because actually one of the things that the parents said in our study was that they really wanted information, that they they were completely sort of lost when when this happened in their family, and they didn't know what to do. So actually what you're doing in raising awareness and giving information and knowledge and strategies, Mm -hmm. that's really helpful.
3: And it's it's, it's getting, um, you know, also parents to know that there is help out there for them yeah. and that there's support for them in helping their child. Exactly. Um, and, and keeping that conversation going.
0: Yeah, because cause as a parent, you've got a mix of difficult emotions yourself. And, you know, what do you do with all of that? As well, mm-hmm. so it's actually really important that parents have a chance to actually, you know, talk to somebody or share with with others in a group or individual sort of setting, um, so that they um, they they know how to manage their own emotions
3: too. Mm-hmm. It, and also it, because you know, they they, be will really be, they will be they will be you know changing and as they are learning more about what's happening and and this thing that is happening within their family they will want to change so sometimes that's part of the journey that yes. the parents can go on with the child yeah as, exactly. as part and of the healing parents process describe
0: it as a journey. Um, and and actually, um, on the on the website, there's a lot of hopeful messages too about, you know, in fact, if you do hang on in there, actually there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and um, and actually, we know from the research too that young people who self-harm, generally most of them do come out of it.
1: Well, that's a very important aspect, isn't it, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think parents listening exactly. would want to hold on to that.
0: But um, you've got to sort of stick with it with your young person because actually for a while there can be a lot of anger, a lot of difficult emotions and, um, you know, it can be very distressing, uh, but you've got to keep been there for, for the young
1: person so in summary it's kind of holding on to them tight no matter what what exactly, you're going through exactly. and secondly finding that network of support yeah. that you two have referred to yeah. um, whether yeah. it be online or or the hotlines that we're going to bring up in a second yeah. sally you had a question there yeah i um and i don't know if you
2: know but i work in education and i just wondered uh, what messages you might have for teachers and for schools
0: Right, well I think that I think it's really important because um, children spend such a lot of time at school they they probably spend more time with their peers and, and at school than they do at home mm. um, so it, it's important that par- that teachers have the knowledge as well and and know what the signs are that somebody is self-harming um, and um, you have a, a school policy um, so that you know protocol so that they know what to do if they discover it they know who to contact and it may vary according to the locality that you are in but it's you know it's it's really important there's a key person in the school who sort of holds that information um, and knows what to do Um, and obviously in the acute situation a young person may need to go to A&E if they're actively self-harming in school but it's about knowing where to where to uh, find further help or how to use their own support services and counsellors within school as well. But but that awareness is, is the first
2: thing. I agree. Um, and I just wondered if you felt that it kind of started before that, almost preventive, and actually even with very young children, about learning to express yes. your emotions, mm-hmm. being able to talk about your feelings, your yes. friendships, your the issues that you're perhaps finding challenging um, yes. every day. Um, And do you feel that the curriculum really should be biased a little bit more towards that?
0: Well, I think uh, you've really hit the nail on the head there, actually. I think prevention is so important. Um, And I think um, within perhaps the PHSE um, lessons, uh, actually helping young people to um, learn to manage emotions, manage stress, um, manage, you know, learn to tolerate distress, Um, it's it's really important to to start early with, with strategies so that young people can both express their emotions, but actually can, can manage them and, and know how to, how to deal with them if, if their emotions, um, you know, go, go high or all over the place. Um, so I think school is a very good place. to to build in those sort of preventative strategies. And I think
1: it's important to mention, someone who's been on our show before, um, the How to Thrive organisation in Hertfordshire, they have a wonderful pen resilience programme that they have embedded into schools where very young primary school children are learning tools and techniques to have sort of better conversations with their peers and their parents, and they're giving them a sort of a toolbox for being more resilient. So there's some great work being done in Hertfordshire
0: yeah that's that's really really good um, and and i'm i'm also aware that there's um, a lot of interest in developing mindfulness within schools as well so um, teaching children uh, from a from a young age, ways of actually being able to um, be be able to be in the present moment in a non judgmental way, and to tolerate their feelings and thoughts. Um, so, I, I think there's there's lots of interesting research at the moment looking at that, and um, and resilience is is a really important thing too that you've mentioned.
1: So let's kind of find the best possible resources here for parents who are
3: listening. Sonia, you
1: had some key phone numbers that parents Mm -hmm. could ring.
3: I mean, initially, obviously, um, you know, I work for Mind in mid Hearts and we provide a service, um, you know, in in the mid um, Hertfordshire region of Stevenage, St Albans, Hertford and Welling. And, you know, we're able to deliver services to 16 year olds upwards so you know the children older children but also to their parents but parents of younger children who are going through all of of this um we can we can provide services that you know a counseling service or perhaps um life skills confidence building self-esteem assertiveness things like that 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 would build that resilience within the child but also within the parents because as we've said you know parents find it difficult to deal with but also you know parents are parents before they discover that their children are self-harming and if they're stronger as people yeah. then then you know perhaps they will um pass on those skills to their children yes
0: yeah, i think that's that's really great doing it both with the young person and the parents um, because, as you say, if the parent is stronger and can manage their own emotions, actually, that's going to really help the child. I mean, there
3: are, you know, that would be helpful. Yes, I mean, there are, you know, once, once, you know, the the. The event is happening, and, and they are self-harming, and it's it's been disclosed. Then there are helplines. I mean, there's there's a very um, there's a helpline that we've had some very good feedback from, which is the Women's Self-Injury Helpline, um, and it provides. Um, it's, it's limited times, unfortunately, but it's free, it's confidential, it's anonymous, um, and sometimes that's something that it, it helps start the conversation. So somebody. You know we'll we'll talk to to somebody on that line before they then seek help and 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 get advice and guidance
0: yeah no that that sounds great and then of course there's samaritans as well mm-hmm. which is also free and um, you know, available twenty four seven. So you know, carers and young people can approach
3: Samaritans. And the Samaritans have some really good resources for parents and teachers on there as well. If you go onto the website, which which I, I know that, that people have found, found very helpful. Mm. Um, there are some some websites, like for instance, Harmless dot org dot uk, that are run by survivors of self harm. Yeah,
0: yes, I, I think that's a very good one. And there's there's, a, there's Young Minds as yes. well youngminds.org.uk
3: and they also have a parent information service so they're specifically for parents who are worried about their children so there's, there's lots of information out there
0: yep and there's, a, there's another one papyrus-uk.org as well is another yes. u- useful website and there is, there is a book specifically written for parents I don't know if you're aware of that called The Parent's Guide to Self-Harm by Jane Smith
1: mm-hmm no, we shall flag it up again on the Parents' Guide to Self-Harm yes, by, by
0: Jane Smith, which Jane um, Smith. You know, I would recommend is, is a very helpful book as well.
3: I think it's very useful to, to um, target people in a way, and, and uh, with the children that I've been working with and, and the young people, um, i found that, that sort of like the online resources get to them quicker yeah. and, and they, can, they can look at lists and, and techniques and, and not study it and research it in too much detail. Um, and also there are parents who, who are in perhaps a state of panic initially and to have something that they can, they can quickly find a resource is is very helpful so the online ones at the moment i'm i'm getting better feedback on
0: yeah that that sounds great but then um i mean obviously a child who really seems to be depressed or needing sort of more specialist help Mm -hmm. um, it may be that they need through their gp to be referred to the mental health services
3: or in Hertfordshire, they can um, they can sign up, or not sign up, but they can contact the Spot the Signs Save a Life campaign, which is a single point of access. Okay.
0: That's good. Um, and, and then they get referred on to the appropriate services. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, yeah. they they can go via their GPs, they can go via professionals, but they can also self-refer. Yeah. Um, and and parents can go and ask for advice um, on that number for how they can get help for their children, perhaps get them referred to the CAM service. Yeah.
0: Well, that that sounds that it's really quite easy then to access services in your area. That sounds really helpful. Oh, that's
1: good. That's positive to know. Um, and just sort of backtracking for parents who have young children who, yes. you know, have not entered the teenagers. Let's talk about the what we could all be doing. And um, I think yeah, you had a point there, Sally, about the younger early years and how, what we could be doing. Yeah,
2: now. I mean, um, parents often ask me about how uh, to develop emotions and feelings and and the language really that we talk um, about this. And for me, it's always been through story. There are so many wonderful children's books around that you can share with a child and actually by sharing some of those classic books and talking and asking the child um, about the feelings of the character in those stories or whether they have ever felt something similar you immediately open up um, a kind of non-judgmental there's not you know you're not asking the child directly they might be sitting on your lap sitting next to you it feels in a very comfortable position. I think it's incredibly important work that
0: yeah, no, I really agree with you there actually and, and actually in a sense what you're doing is normalizing emotions as well and making yes. it okay to, to talk about them. Um and it's that togetherness as well. Yes. Um with the story. So yeah, no, I, I agree, I think that's that's um, great.
2: And it often provides actually um a language for the parents for themselves who may not find it very easy to talk about emotions, but if they're reading a story yeah. the words are given to them and and they're modelling those. So yes. um you know uh really really important that i think
0: yeah no i agree um and and also i suppose the the other thing from an early age is, is actually just to keep the sort of communication going with the child even if the child is feeling angry or not wanting to talk actually just being there for the child yes Mm -hmm. um and helping them talk about difficult things yes
2: and you talked earlier i love the fact you talked about listening to young children or to to, um teenagers yes and of course a way to do that is when you are actually with with children sort of um alongside them so maybe they're drawing or painting or playing yes Uh, they're often role-playing their emotions Yes, and yes. or drawing them and it's another opportunity isn't it to talk about them
3: yeah yeah i think and often then with in, teenagers um, as well a walk
0: with your young person and having mm. that sort of space just to be with them and spend time with them mm. um i mean it, it conveys that that you want to be with them but also it's another sort of forum where sometimes it's a bit easier to talk if you're you're not actually directly sitting opposite each other but you're doing something together
2: yeah so i mean i do really believe that the the work that you do with young children even under the age of five could have a, a major impact on whether they're self-harming as a teenager it's just that sometimes as parents and as professionals we don't quite realize that because that's having a much longer view of it but, yes yeah, but, but, it,
0: but it's also building up that secure attachment early yes. in life yes but if the child if your child really does feel secure in in your love and and you know securely attached to you that actually is going to protect them later on because it's it's going to be a secure base that they know they can come back
2: Mm, exactly that secure attachment is so important and and the word that i like to use is attunement that knowing that there is as a child knowing that there is an adult there who is attuned to yes, me exactly. who picks um, up the messages i'm giving out that understands when i say maybe i have tummy ache actually it means i'm a little anxious about something
0: yes And who's really seeking to understand where you're at? Yeah. Rather than saying, this is how you feel or this is what it is.
1: Well, ladies, we're just going to have a little break. And if if you'd stay on the phone now, that would be fine. But it says we're going to come back and talk about treatment. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Stay with us.
2: come back um and we've, uh, just in the in the gap there, been having a really interesting conversation, Anne. I hope you're still there. Still there, yep. Great. And uh, we're afraid we've got some big questions for you okay, now. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, right, we're quite interested. We're very interested to know something about gender and whether this is prevalent in both boys and girls. We are also interested, we've realised, we've, we've skirted around it, but we haven't really talked about the link with suicide. Right. And although that's a difficult area, I do yep. think that would be of interest to people.
0: People. Okay, shall I start with a gender issue Can first? I do? And
2: there's one third thing I'm going to add on is that we'd like to actually also make sure that we also talk about sort of treatment. Yes, How okay. we actually, that's, you know, support no, nice. young people. Um,
0: so as regards gender, um, self-harm is more common in girls in the teenage years. Um, now, there was a, a study um, some years ago um, in 15 and 16-year-olds in the UK, which I think I mentioned earlier, showed that the... the, the um, the rate was 6.9% generally of young people. But if you broke it down into gender, um, it was um, 11.2% females and 32 males. So that's quite a bit more, um, you know, quite a few more girls are self-harming compared to males. Um, now, more recently, I think that gap is closing a bit, so more boys are doing it. But definitely, it happens um, more commonly in girls. However, um, completed suicide is more common in males. Mm. So it's the the, can you can you explain
2: that? Are there any factors that you can?
0: Well, um, males um, tend to use more aggressive methods um, to to try and you know to attempt suicide. Um, So hanging or. Um, jumping um, whereas females or girls are more likely to take overdoses mm. okay. however um, actually hanging is now seen a little bit more in females as well so again that gap is slightly closing um, but, but certainly completed suicide is more common in males mm. um, but actually the, the incidence of suicide is very low in teenagers Mm -hmm. and we mentioned self-harm is quite common but actual completed suicide um, the the figures are sort of for for teenagers round about um, 7.4 per Mm, 100,000 so it's you know, yeah, very, it is very, very low very low
2: So what would you say to a parent um, who was perhaps listening to the show tonight and had sort of recently discovered that their child was self harming and might have found themselves immediately sort of jumping to the conclusion that this was a call for a sort of call for help because this child might be thinking of suicide
0: Well well, I think it, it is important to take every self harm attempt seriously. So that's the first thing, because actually, if you, if you have self-harmed, you are more likely to do it again. You sort of break that, that barrier. It, you know, it's quite hard to hurt yourself. If you do it once, it is more likely to happen again. So you do have to take it seriously. Um, and we do also know from the research that individuals who have self-harmed are actually more at risk than other individuals from eventual suicide. But having said that, the actual risk of suicide is still very low. The suicide rate in young people is extremely low. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a sort of balance. I think you, you do need to take it seriously and, and try and uh, you know, help your young person develop other ways of coping. Um, but, you know, the actual risk of suicide is, is very low
1: does
2: mm,
0: that so make sense
2: it does and it's really helpful for you to hear that from you as um particularly from you as uh, in your position but um so i just also wondered if you could perhaps we could come on to thinking a little bit about treatment i mean yes. w- what is there to to actually help young people
0: yeah no that's i mean that's a really important question and and actually one of the things to say first of all is that only a only a small fraction of those who report self harm actually do present to services and get help. Maybe about fifteen percent or so. So there's a lot of unmet need out there, um, and it's you know it's important that um, young people do get the help they need. Um, and it's it's very positive at the moment is that more money is being channeled into child and adolescent mental health services. So that, that is really positive. But um, there, there's, there's been lots of research uh, looking at. What are the effective treatments for young people who self-harm? Um, and there is, there's a range of treatments that can be helpful. But, but of course, the, the, the first thing is um, that a, a really careful assessment needs to be done first um, to understand um, whether there are any um, particular mental health problems and, and what the causes are, what the, um, the triggers um, and, and, and what the risk is. So, so a careful assessment is important first. Yeah, um, using that lovely... But then depending on what's found, there's obviously a range of treatments. So if the young person is depressed, there will be specific treatments for depression. Uh, but the, the sort of treatments that have been found to be helpful in self-harm, or uh, firstly um, a treatment called cognitive behavioural therapy, so CBT, Um, And that's where you try and help the young person understand some of the connections between thoughts and feelings and behavior and help them take... A different perspective on their thoughts as well as developing more helpful behaviors and strategies to manage their feelings. So, so CBT can be helpful particularly if it's done in the context of, of family work as well and um, there, been, there's been some research showing that that actually having a family component is really important because as I said right at the start families can be a real resource for young people and it's important not to leave them out. Um, so that's CBT then there's other forms of therapy. There's a sort of therapy called DBT, um, and I'll explain that in a minute, but there's some promising research that that might be helpful too with young people at self-harm. Um, so DB, DBT stands for dialectical behavior therapy, but it's a therapy that, um, that helps young people take a sort of middle ground rather than taking extreme positions and black and white positions um, and then work specifically with um, helping young people to tolerate distress so that they don't Um, need to go and and self-harm as a way of coping with the distress and it helps them to manage their emotions in a a sensible way and helps them to develop um, skills at relating to others and um, helps them develop um, the mindfulness skills which I I mentioned earlier that you know there is uh, some research that mindfulness um, skills can be helpful in, in this situation so DBT includes mindfulness as well so dbt um is an approach that a lot of cams teams that's child and adolescent mental health services are are now using and it includes both group and individual work so the group work can sometimes be quite helpful because because peers um, who are also trying to um, develop strategies can help each other as well.
1: And I think locally, I think I've heard from lots of parents, that it's almost the waiting list for CAMs, certainly in Hertfordshire, I don't know if you'd agree, Sonia, is uh-huh. dreadful. So your child cell harms, and you have to sort of wait eight weeks potentially to see a psychiatrist. Would you agree if, with that? If Sonia? you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. Which is terribly worrying, isn't it, for a parent?
0: Yeah, well it, those eight you know those eight weeks can can seem like a year probably because you you yeah. know you can be very yeah. distressed. But um, what I would say is that there is m- money coming down now from the government especially allocated for child and adolescent mental health services because there was a, a major review um within the last year or so that that identified that mental health services for children are you know are sadly lacking and need to develop. So so there is going to be more funding. So that's that is the good news. Um, but but in the meantime, obviously parents can get help from some of the websites and resources that we mentioned, um, and and perhaps through schools. But yeah, it is it is quite hard if there's a wait. But I think that should be getting better. I, I don't know what it's like in your area. Is is it? It, it's
3: still, it's quite a wait at the moment, is it? I think, I mean, my my evidence is only anecdotal from the people that I work with. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely a, a long wait. Um, people might get seen for an initial assessment, but then there's a wait for, for the actual work to start. Yeah. Um, but also there's a reluctance to refer because of the the, the way that that's working or not working. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I would say is that... that you know some of the work i've seen there's lots of organizations in hertfordshire certainly who are trying to um like i say as we are at mind in Mid hearts increasing awareness working with schools working yeah. with parents trying to get the support services working better around the child Yes. Yeah. so so that that is there in place um and 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 perhaps treatment is is you know when it's when it's needed, it works better because there's there's lots of people supporting the child yeah. around them. No, yeah, I think them. I
0: really agree with that. And I don't know what it's like in your area, but um, certainly in Oxfordshire we have early intervention hubs, which actually provide um, more immediate and sort of practical help to to young people. And as you say, if you if you have a support network around a, a child, um, then uh, actually the, the 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 treatment is. is you know, is 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 going to be, in in a sense, a lot more effective because you, you've got that network, that basis, um, and the the network around the child is is very supportive for the child too. That they know that there's, you know, a range of people that they can turn to.
1: And before we let you go, what would you say is the most exciting piece of research that you're either involved with or that you know is happening nationally, perhaps in self-harm and teens?
0: Um, well, well, I think. At the moment, the the treatment research is is really important because we we do want to know what actually works in terms of of managing um, and self-harm. So uh, there's there's, various treatment trials going on, particularly in dialectical behavior therapy, which I mentioned, um, and and CBT. So, So I think that's that's really important because um, we, 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 we need to know what to do, really, with, with young people. So, so I'd really sort of highlight that. Um, but, and then just generally there's lots of research really trying to understand um, what um, leads people to self-harm um, and prevention. Is, is, you know, at the other end, you know, prevention is really important too. Well, thank Um, you so
1: much for your contribution tonight, Anne. There's so much to think about, but I think that what would you say if we all had to take away one thing from our chat with Anne? I would certainly say that it's about keeping them you know close to you and always holding on to your children you know emotionally no matter what happens and to just trying to
3: create a support network around them what would you say Sonia certainly and also that that there is hope that that there is treatment out there um and that it is being talked about and there is more research going on yeah. which will lead to more help what about you Sally and that to reassure
2: parents that actually there are lots of professionals out there who can support you and you know please go to teachers and schools they might be your first of call And,
1: uh, yeah, and uh, I think that could be a good starting point. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Anne Stewart from Oxford University. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be part of
1: it. Lovely, thank you. Bye-bye now obviously people will be very keen to know sonia from you give us the key phone numbers and websites that parents listening need to know about
3: okay so for um older teens and for help yourself um so we've got mindinmidhearts.org.uk um, and our um, St Albans phone number is 01727 865070 um, and you can phone us for advice um, and support. We do lots of the um, sort of life skills so we can do self-esteem, we can do um, assertiveness training and that will help build resilience not only in, in your child but skills that you as a parent can learn and, and pass down to your child and role model to them. Um, we also do mindfulness, which the Doctor spoke about. There, um, wonderful, wonderful technique, um, useful in so many um, areas, and again something that you can learn yourself and 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 model for your child. The um, Spot the Signs Save a Life single point of access number is 0300-777-0707. So that's, again, for advice as well as for self-referring if you want to access um, NHS services. The um, Women's Self-Injury Helpline, which is the free confidential anonymous line, is 0808-800-8088. Um, and that is part of a national charity but, you know, it's it's something that is... Um, I mean, they say that it's an emotional support, listening and signposting for women affected by self-injury. Young Minds, they've got a parents' information service.
1: And we've certainly, we're holding, there must be about eight leaflets that they've sent to us. You know, children and young people get depressed too, bullying, a website, a whole leaflet on eating disorders. And they've sent us their um, parents' helpline, which is 0808 802 5544, and that's youngminds.org.uk. And as they say, you're not alone. Thousands of parents contact us every year to get the help um, they need. So it's brilliant to know that you can ring mm-hmm.
3: people, you know, and have that and, anonymous chat. And the websites chat. will give you um, information on some of the techniques. So the, the CBT techniques, the um, harm minimisation techniques that you can, you can help your child to, to develop, um, which means that they won't hurt themselves so badly, which is quite a controversial thing. Um, mm-hmm way of thinking about it but actually if it, it makes it a safer way until they can get the help they need or until they can develop other skills and strategies to to improve the way they feel about themselves and the way that that they're managing their emotions now what about the other websites you've got there you've got uh so i've got harmless.org.uk and that's run by um survivors of self-harm so it's people that have been there who know what it's like Um, they have um a a web chat um method where where you know there's no talking it's just all online as well as a telephone helpline um selfharm.co.uk firstsigns.org the national self-harm network which is um, nshn.co.uk they've got um, not only um, helplines and forums but they've also got lots of information on distraction techniques so ways of managing your emotions that that aren't as harmful Um, and papyrus um, dash uk.org they're um, that they they give well i find that they give lots of information where there's a link to suicide so where people are um perhaps suicidal but self-harming and and worried that that they're heading in that direction
1: Okay, so I'm going to obviously take all those numbers, stick them up on our social media, Twitter and Facebook feed tonight, so everyone has everything they could possibly want. And I hope people have enjoyed the conversation to this extent that we've got lots of information and resources. Now, on a sort of a positive note, I was at least enthused by the fact that she said that it is a very small proportion of teenagers who self harm, relatively speaking. And also, Sally, that, you know, most of them will get better. Yep. Did you sort of hear that? Very message?
2: much, very much. So that I think that is what all the evidence shows from research that actually, it's almost like it's those sort of mid teenage years, and once children pass or young people pass through that, they recover, um, and uh, that, uh, as I say, that is what the evidence is telling us. So it's just as a parent knowing how to stick in there, isn't it, and yeah. support your child through that.
1: And knowing that the things that you do will make a difference. So Dr. Stewart was saying, you know, that we have to develop ways of just helping them cope, express their feelings better, Mm -hmm. find a network that is a circle of support around them so you're not alone with the problem.
3: Talking and listening. Talking and listening is key. And sometimes, I mean, you know, sort of touched on it a bit there, that just listening to your child, even as a teenager, sometimes you think that with a teenager you can give them advice. Um, but if you just listen, sometimes that's all they want. Mm. They don't want you to tell them what to do. Mm. And
2: listening can happen in all sorts of places, but it's quite good sometimes to sort of set up. I used to find, you know, sitting in the car is a good time, because you're not sitting looking eye to eye. There's no pressure. There's no
1: pressure. You've, you've, there's no other distractions. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, listen, thank you so much, ladies. I think we've made a great team tonight exploring this (laughs) difficult topic. Sonia Clark from Mind in Mid-Hearts and Sally Graham um, from the University of Hertfordshire.
2: Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly
0: team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution.